0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we continue our series, Path of the Spirit. In this series, we will discuss the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. And now with part two, lead pastor, Rex Johnson. I'm speaking on the subject, which way does the river flow? Which way does the river flow? flow. Turn to somebody, say, I'm gonna help the pastor. And you can be seated. You're awesome people, the most awesome in all of America. Patty and I were invited one fall to a home uh, that we shared with a couple in, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And the place that we stayed was a was a beautiful valley. It was surrounded by mountain ranges and there were streams and tributaries and and a river that flowed through the region of our stay. We were there at R&R. We really were. I wasn't pastoring at the time, but the rigors of speaking all over the nation and really outside the nation had become burdensome. I was tired. I needed time to renew my body. I needed time to renew my spirit. And I, I gazed out in my window at the beautiful, beautiful valley. I, I, I felt a peace. I really I felt a peace. It was just a neat place. The hillsides were already splashed with fall colors. The history of the place Really triggered classroom memories because my mind was overwhelmed with what might have been there many years ago. Maybe the wagons coming through, people dying, you know, people setting up camp there. And uh, those, those, things, those things creased my thoughts. I can become spiritual during those times when I get nostalgic and remember yesterday. The more I observed the site, the creeks, the tributaries, the lazy flowing river, I felt restored. I really did. I felt cleansed. In fact, I told the first service you could have took a sleeping bag or a cot down to one of those little creeks that ran by the place that we stayed and just absolutely took you a nap of the ages. It was absolutely unreal. Our car passed over a fork of the flowing stream and a thought filled my mind, came to my mind like a like a drop from heaven. And I looked at that stream and I I thought, which way does the water flow? Which way does it flow? What, what body of water does this little creek, this little tributary merge with? Where does it have its culmination? Where does it flow to? seemed like an odd thought. After all, I did not know the general terrain of the Blue Ridge Mountains had never been there before, but I knew that this creek would merge with some other tributary, and that tributary would merge into a little, a little creek, a little, little river, and that little river would merge to a larger river, and finally it would flow somewhere, perhaps to the bay, perhaps to the Atlantic Ocean. I didn't know. However, the question that came to my mind didn't seem to be geographical. It seemed to be spiritual. I sensed, I sensed in my spirit even then, and I preached something similar to this a long time ago, but I sensed in my spirit something in a, a voice asking me about the, at the Blue Ridge Mountains, not about that river, but about his river. Which way does God's river flow? Which way does it flow? And I went went back to Ezekiel chapter 47 and I, and I, I found a text. said, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Everybody say east. For the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, the south of the altar. The altar now is the brazen altar where the lamb was slain for the sacrifice to roll the sins forward. He then brought me through the north gate and led me around outside the outer gate, facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. So I want to I talk to you today, which way does the river flow? Which way does God's river flow? I want you to repeat some things with me before I get started. Everybody say, God is here. God is here. Say it real loud. God is, here. God is here. Everybody say, he came to help us. He to you know how we know he's here? He inhabits the praise of his people. Everybody say, he's interested in what troubles us. We must let God help us. I will let God help me. God is mankind's greatest friend. Nothing happens to us that escapes his attention. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Now, mine is challenged to him. I don't need laughter. I need prayer. But we're important to him. If he knows when a sparrow falls from the sky, if we're more important to him than many sparrows, then how much more is he interested in what is happening to me and what's happening to you? Job, going through his tough times against the enemy and losing his kids, losing his livestock, and losing all that he had, said, He knows the way that I take. Earlier in the writings of Ezekiel chapter 9, God instructed an angelic scribe to mark the foreheads of those who sighed and cried, which lets us know God not only promises to hear the words you speak, he not only promises to see the way that you take, but he hears the sighs and the cries of everybody here. He is the God of the majestic. Do you believe he's a majestic God? Amen. He knows the path of the Nile and the Amazon rivers. In fact, I did a little research recently on the Nile River. There's two Nile rivers. There's a blue Nile and there's a white Nile. Many people perhaps don't know that, but here's the the unique part about it. One flows one direction, and parallel to it, the other flows the other direction, which lets me know that when God gets good and ready, He can flow a river any way He wants to flow it. The blue Nile is, 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 is started from a subterranean spring, like an artesian, and it bubbles up and it flows out. Then it turns and goes back upstream, so to speak, and for 930 miles before it intersects with the white Nile, then it comes back the other way. What I'm trying to say is simply this that God understands that things move according to his command. He said he has the wind in his fist and the sea in the palm of his hand. He's a majestic God. He's not only a majestic God, he's a God of the minute. He sees every tear. He sees every tear's origin. He sees our fears and he understands them. He knows when you're struggling, mom, single mom, to pay the rent. He knows when you're worried about your child, if they're going to be all right or not. He understands your fears about being all alone, elder citizen. And he marks the moment you feel overwhelmed. I'm so happy to know that God is not just this big majestic mountain building God. But he's also a God that knows when I was hurting in 1981 and walked into my room and made up my bed in the time of my affliction. I'm so happy he's a God that loves me. He knows how you struggle. He knows how you struggle when you wrestle to forgive. When you fall prey to that chronic sin that continually besets you. When you lose your temper again and again, and then when you think you're gonna get it, you hit your thumb with a hammer and it's gone again. When you lose your self-control again, when you fall off the wagon again, when you give in, when you give up, when you give out, he's still your God and he sees you. He's not like fickle friends and family members who walk away He's not the unobservant in the parable of the good Samaritan. He doesn't just look and leave. He doesn't ignore your problems. He feels and he cares. He doesn't run from your problems. He runs to your problems. I think that Savior needs a hand clap of appreciation today. Because not only is he a majestic God, he's a God of the minute. So how, how does God come to us? He came to humanity. He came in his humanity to humanity to die for our sins. But now he comes to us today through his spirit. Everybody say his spirit. Spirit. So I want to talk a little bit about the river today. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel saw it. It symbolizes, folks, the moving of God's spirit. We talk about God's spirit being compared to a rushing stream, to fire, to wind. No doubt his vision gave hope to those who heard it right then and there because he wrote that when he was in the, in, the, in, the, in the country by the river Chebar, he was in Babylon, and he was in captivity, he wrote this, he saw this beautiful thing happening at the house of God, and oppressed people were given hope for a better day, and his vision speaks to us as well in our future right now, because there's coming a time when God's gonna bring health, and he's gonna bring wholeness back to the nation of Israel, you better believe that. You listen to this pastor right now. I don't care what you're hearing in the news. It does not matter. You listen to a preacher right now. When God blessed Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm gonna bless those that bless you. And I'm gonna curse those that curse you. This church, this community of believers still believes that we are the grafted-in branch to the Abraham seed, amen? And we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna honor the God of Israel, amen? We're going to honor the God of Israel. We're going to praise the name of the Lord and understand that we have a father of faith also called Abraham in our life. Amen. We're not going to turn her back. His vision is not only that, but it's a spiritual lesson of people of all ages. There's coming a time, Isaiah chapter 11 talks about it. It's a millennial day when when things are going to happen so unique. The lamb will lay down by the lion and the ox will be with a the ox will be with a with a with a leopard and it's going to happen because God is going to bring peace to this world and and many people believe that that's what Ezekiel was talking about but I truly believe that Ezekiel's river is more than just a millennial i think it's more than just people along the river of chebar i really believe that he's talking about the last day outpouring of the spirit of god amen I really, really believe that. I believe with all my heart that God's going to baptize this whole world, you listen to me, with a spirit that will be undeniable. He said, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm here to tell you it's going to cross denominational lines. It's going to cross all kinds of of, of lines of of, of age and lines of education. God is going to pour out his spirit. You better get ready for it. God is not going to lose on this earth when it comes to his spirit. He won in heaven. He won in heaven. Hell got kicked out. He won in hell. He took the keys of death, hell and the grave. And he's going to win on earth. You better get involved with what God's doing. God's the winner. Amen. We're going to be on his side in the last days. Clap your hands and rejoice and say, I'm on that side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Ezekiel saw God's spirit moving as a river. A river always has been associated with life. Eden, where life began, had four rivers flowing from its mist or in its midst. Rivers framed the ancient civilizations of the Fertile Crescent. People are drawn to coastlines. They're drawn to riverbanks. Along them, villages and communities are formed. The river represented a resource. It, it was a mode of conveyance, and it was energy. A river represented life. It's little wonder then That when heaven chose to reveal to Ezekiel the life-given presence of God, it was revealed in the form of a river. The angel that accompanied Ezekiel showed him this river. This river flowed from the temple located in Jerusalem. As it flowed, it grew wider and it grew deeper. In fact, there was a man that went out with a measuring rod, a thousand cubits, and he measured, and the water was to his ankles. He went another thousand, the water was to his knees. He went another measure and it was to his lowens. And he walked further and the Bible said it was water to swim in. Which means it might have started small but it's gonna finish great. Amen? You hear me? The day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost on this day, 2,000 plus years ago, it didn't start big and it's gonna trickle at the end. That was the trickle. We're gonna see the great flood of revival in this last day because it's gonna get bigger and it's gonna get better. Along the bank grew trees, miraculous trees, trees that always bore fruit, trees whose leaves brought healing to the sick. The river's destiny was the Dead Sea, the river's touch brought life, fish multiplied. Fishermen fished along the trans- around the transformed sea. Where the river flowed, Ezekiel 47 and nine said, everything lived. God's spirit is like a river, it brings life. God sees where you are, he knows your condition, He wants you to have life and that more abundant. Amen. I want to to give you two quick points before I preach. Here's the first one. Your body, everybody say my body, is the temple of God. Say my body. is a temple of God. God has a house. And it's not this house made of metal and stucco. It's not this one. It's not this church house. It's your house. You're a living stone. The culture surrounded By many temples in Corinth and shrines and auditoriums, Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. He said, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's exciting. He even got more personal the second letter to the same group of people. He said when he asked this question, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Everybody say, I'm not a dead temple. Say, I'm alive temple. Turn to your neighbor and say, act it. Act alive. What does it mean? It means you're born of the water, born of the spirit. God dwells in you by his spirit. The second thing I want to tell you, not only is your body a temple, but God dwells in us by his spirit. Say hallelujah to that. God dwells in us by his spirit. This was a statement that Paul made to the church in Rome and I'm gonna read it, Romans chapter eight, verse eight and nine. I put it in the amplified version. I want you to see this. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, watch this now, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him, but you are not living the life of the flesh. You're living the life of the spirit. And if the Holy Spirit of God Really? <laughs> I love the Amplified Version. Dwells within you, directs and controls you. But if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ. He's not truly a child of God. Everybody say, a Holy Ghost. Be a part of my life. Every day. In fact, Romans 8 and 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. There's four interchangeable phrases in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 8. Spirit, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God, Holy Spirit. They're all the same. God is a spirit. He dwells in us through his spirit like a river. In the beginning realm, the spirit moved on the face of the deep. At the beginning of the church, the spirit moved in the upper room. In Ezekiel's vision, the spirit flowed into a bleak world. And I'm here to tell you something. The spirit of God is still flowing in a bleak world today. God has not cut the water off. It's still flowing. Somebody rejoice about that. The Holy Spirit's still in this world today. God's still pouring out his spirit on all flesh now. So let's examine this. Okay, let's examine this. Let's examine. I will to preach three little things. Then we're all gonna get the Holy Ghost. That scared some of you. Everybody say God's Spirit. Moves us, a new day. moves us toward a new day. Wow. Ezekiel saw the river flowed eastward from the temple. East is the direction of a new day. I remember when I was just a kid. I was baptized when I was seven in Plainview in a horse tank. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm still running. I'm like American Pharaoh. I can run in the sunshine and run in the mud. Hallelujah. But I, I, I had a Sunday school teacher that was the ugliest woman in the history of the church. <laughs> now I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not making fun of anybody, please. She's dead and gone. She's in heaven. And, but every, every Sunday when I left her Sunday school class, she'd pat me on the back and said, Rexy, you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Evidently, she thought I was mean that I needed the Holy Ghost or something. You need the Holy Ghost, son. But sometimes she'd be teaching and take out her teeth. And I thought, why? I mean, I'm an eight-year-old kid. Why? Why would you take your teeth out? Because she didn't use polydin or something. She didn't use something that made them stick to their gums. And she'd gum the gospel to us. And then she'd always have a kiss for us as we left our Sunday school. I love you, Sister Woodall but you still was ugly. (laughs) But the night I received the Holy Spirit, the night the Holy Spirit baptized me, I was a nine-year-old kid. I got it. I received it. It stuck. It's real. When I looked up, it like cataracts was all gone from my eyes. She looked like, pardon me for saying this, I know it sounds corny. she looked like Pamela Anderson or something. And Pamela wasn't even invented yet. But I'm telling you, she was a beautiful woman. And she was smiling her head off. And I said, I got to go hugging. And I went over there for a minute, I kissed her. Because there's something about the birth of the Spirit. When it comes in, everything is beautiful. It's like a brand new day. You know, when Moses built, you know when Moses built the tabernacle in the wilderness, you know the front door of the tabernacle faced the east because God wanted them to see his sunrise. He wanted the sunrise to come up on the doors of the tabernacle. He wanted every morning to be a new day, a new beginning, a new, a new, a new adventure for the children of Israel. And so from that moment, every temple, every, every tabernacle that was ever built, the front door faced the east because they wanted God's mercies every morning to hit them fresh at the front door. Psalms 46 said, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her at the break of dawn. Let me tell you something. Israel had this idea. We may suffer through the night, but as soon as the sun comes up, our house is facing the sunrise. What I'd like for some of you to do in this service today is to turn your face toward Jesus Christ, the sunrise, and let Him bless you and touch your home and touch your family and touch your life and touch everything in your life. I've used this before, but you know, I'll use it again because somebody told me at a conference one time you got to tell the same jokes every six months because the church, you know, kind of turns over and you got new people coming and the folks that's heard it before that thought it was funny before, they'll laugh again. And the new people need to hear it. So I'm gonna tell you something that I preached here a while back, a long time ago, and some of y'all wasn't here, it's been several years. There's a man named Anthony Campolo that spoke at the second inauguration of, of President Clinton. And in it, he spoke about preaching. He's an Italian man. And he, uh, he went to an all black church in Philadelphia. He's one of the pastors on staff. And it was, uh, it was Good Friday and he got up to minister and when he got through, he sat down by the old bishop and he said, you think you can top that old man? And the bishop said, sit down, son, sit down right now and listen to my stuff. And the bishop got up and in one sentence, he destroyed everything Anthony Campolo thought he'd done good because he said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. he was preaching on Good Friday, he said it's Friday and all the, all the Roman soldiers thought they had whipped Jesus, thought they had killed him, it's Friday and all the demons are dancing in hell, it's Friday and everybody's going and hiding that believed in Jesus Christ, it's Friday and everything's looking good for the devil and bad for the Christians, but he said it's just Friday Sunday's coming and I want to tell somebody here right now that's walked in on a Friday, Sunday's already here Jesus is out of the grave. Somebody help me preach right now. He has risen, and we're 50 days past the resurrection. You hear me? And we're here, and the river's flowing, and God's for you, and He can pick you up out of any situation in your life. It's a new day. It's a new day. Ezekiel in chapter 37 saw a bunch of old dry bones, and it was a massive graveyard. He said, can these bones live? And the Lord said, prophesy to them. And he prophesied and they joined together. And he said, Lord, they're they're together, but they're dead. He said, prophesy to the wind. And he prophesied the wind. They all stood up and became a mighty army. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. That there's something about the spirit that nothing else does. The word may connect you, but the spirit will bring life. Oh, hallelujah. And what some of you need in your life on this Pentecost Sunday is just a breath, a moving of the wind a river of living water flowing through you. You need that breath of God coming into your life this, this Pentecost Sunday and being blessed and overwhelmed by it. Would you clap your hands and rejoice? It brings a brand new day. The Bible said in Romans 8, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. God's spirit is moving you toward a new day. One songwriter said it best. I love it. He said, if you never thought you'd smile again, if you never thought the dark clouds would end, if you never thought the dark night would fade away, get ready for the flowing of the spirit. It's gonna be a brighter, brighter day. I'm telling you, God's spirit flows to a new day. And when you receive it, the shackles come off. Hallelujah, the blinders come off and you see the glory and you embrace it. The second place the spirit moves and flows is it reaches to mankind's lowest. Let me talk now, let me talk. Ezekiel saw a river flow from the Dead Sea or to the Dead Sea. Here's the physical geography. I want you to listen all you geography majors. The Dead Sea is 15 miles away from Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem set 2,500 feet above sea level. The surface of the Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below sea level. So, a space of 15 miles, the river dropped 3,800 feet. That's a drop of over 250 feet per mile. Or, if I could give you a visual, if you got on the highest point of this church and looked to the back of our property back there at that street, the descent that you see from the top of this church to that street is how rapid the water was rushing. That's a flow, folks. In other words, when God got ready to let the river come out of the south side of the altar where the lamb was slain, when he got ready to turn the water loose, he didn't just let it meander down. He let it rush. He let it come in a cascade. He let it come with tremendous fervor, tremendous strength, tremendous power because he wants you to understand there's not a low point in your life that he can't get to by the spirit that he sends your way. I don't care how low you get pastor I'm too I'm too bad to have God move on me no you're not a thief on the cross looked at him and said, remember me. He said, this day you're going to be with me. I'm here to declare, it does not matter. I saw a man that killed five people one time, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he turned out to be a good assistant pastor for somebody. And he's still preaching the gospel today. Here's what I'm telling you. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned, how deep you've gone. David said, if I take the wings of morning, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, he's there. God can go to the lowest realm of the world to save anybody. Would somebody rejoice? Anybody ever been feeling, anybody ever felt that presence in your life? It moves to the depths. The Dead Sea is the lowest spot in all the world. And yet when the river came out, it flowed in a mighty cascade a gush down to the Dead Sea. It moves quickly to mankind's depth. It rushed to Paul's temper. It rushed to Simon Peter's tempestuousness. It rushed to John Mark's fickleness. It rushed to the mixed up priorities of Martha. And it rushed to the sincerity of Cornelius. You think he's going to leave you out of the picture? No. No, God has something great for you in your life. It will rush to your depths. There's somebody here right now. I'm, I'm going to prophesy right now. There's somebody in this building right now. And you know I don't do this. That you think this 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 Holy Ghost I'm preaching about can't get to where you are? Yes, it can. You listen to me right now. I don't know where you're sitting, but I'm telling you right now, the Holy Ghost is in this house. And it's troubling your spirit right now. It's saying, let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. Here's what I want to tell you. When Israel came to Kadesh Barnea, Moses sent out 12 spies. 10 were led by a man named Shua. And two were led... Joshua and Caleb and Joshua and Caleb came back and said oh what'd you see said well we saw that we can we can take the land we can have it we can take it said said we saw vineyards there we saw we saw wells there we saw houses we saw things that we don't even have to build it's waiting on us right now and they came back with a good report but Shu and his men came back with an evil report you know why because all they saw were giants There's some people that are so afraid of the land of promise. There's so many people that are afraid of this Holy Ghost because denominationalism has scared you away from the presence of God. But there's nothing greater, nothing more peaceful, nothing more comforting than the presence of God in your life. I would not be where I am today when I went through my tragedy, if the presence of God wasn't in my life. I was at the lowest part of my life and the Lord walked in and said, I'm gonna be here for you until you get better. And I'm better today. And I'm preaching the gospel because the Holy Ghost comes where you are and can help you out of any situation in your life. The third thing, and I close Not only does the spirit flow to a new day, not only does it flow to mankind's needs, the deepest, darkest needs, but the God's spirit also rushes outward. Everybody say outward. It rushes out. Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw God's spirit flowing outward. Jesus stood and cried on the last day of the feast. And he said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, As the scripture has said, out of his belly, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given because he had not yet been glorified. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is given. And it's for everybody in this house today. Now you listen to me. You listen real good. It was significant in Ezekiel's day. Earlier Ezekiel had peered into the temple in Ezekiel chapter 8. Now watch this. And he had witnessed so much vile stuff. If you read Ezekiel 8 when you get home, don't do it now. This proof text me when you get home. He saw some men on the north side of the temple looking to the north. And the Bible said he saw jealousies and he felt jealousies. Now watch this. There were jealousies among the people. Then the Bible said the Lord showed him a hole in the wall. And he said, son of man, dig in that wall. And he dug in that wall and he saw 70 men of God with censers with their own chamber of imagery. And they were in competition who had the greatest fire, who was going to be the censor that ruled. And there was competition in the house of God. Then he saw some women over here sitting in a circle worshiping the idol god, Tamuz, which was an idol god. And there's worshiping that god in the house of God. And then he looked outside and saw some young men with their back to the temple facing outside, facing the world and worshiping the sun. Here's what I'm telling you. He said, I saw a bunch of evil imagery. I saw some bad stuff. But all of a sudden, he sees this river. He sees this river. And everything that Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel 8 was washed out of the house of God in Ezekiel chapter 47. God said, I'm going to wash it all out. If you want some stuff to get out of your life, some of you have a hard time forgiving some of you have a hard time not holding a grudge, but if you want some stuff out of your life, you need the Holy Spirit to move in your life right now. It'll move out bitterness. It'll move out jealousy. It'll move out idol gods. It'll move out competition with your brother and sister. It'll move out things that worship other gods. It'll move out stuff that worships the earth. It's time for this church to worship the one true and live in God and give him the glory that he deserves. Because he is our river. Come on. Praise him right now. Hallelujah. Now notice what happened. Notice what happened. As the spirit flowed out of the temple, Ezekiel said, he brought me out. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only will he bring things out of you, he'll bring you out of the things that's holding you back. So here's what I tell you. All that I once was is gone. I'm free. That's why every now and then again, you need to get under the spout, as I used to say when I was a kid, where the glory comes out and let the Holy Spirit just wipe your soul clean. Let that river just flow through you and say, God, wash me cleanse me, make me whole that's what the Holy Spirit does, it's not a damning thing, it's not a damaging thing it's not a debilitating thing it's a powerful thing it's an awesome thing, it's a glorious thing and as long as I'm preaching in this church this church will be under the auspices of the baptism of the Spirit of Almighty God Help me out, Brother Randy. Help me out. Boy, I hate I'm having to close. I'm enjoying this. Some of y'all aren't. Some of y'all are getting fidgety because y'all see giants instead of greatness. You know what's sad is that nine and a half tribes was all that went into Israel. Two and a half stayed on the other side. There's a lot of people who will never accept what God has for you completely. And you're going to sit on the other side and watch the glory fall and watch the glory bless people. That's not the will of God. Why don't you come on across the river? Why don't you let the Holy Ghost just bless you and baptize you? It's the greatest life in all the world when the Spirit of God guides and directs your life. Say amen to that. Amen. Moses in Exodus 33 is one of my favorite chapters, and I close. Moses and God had a, had a talk, had this little chat. God said, Moses, I tell you what, I'm a little irritated with the people. He said, so I'm going to make a statement to you, Moses. You can proof text this when you get home. So I'm going to make a statement with you, to you. I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to give you wells. I'm going to give you houses and vineyards and all that. But I'm not going. I'm going to send an angel before you and let him go. Because if I went with you, I might have to wear some people out on the journey. He said, because they're stiff-necked. They don't want my presence. They think they're doing this themselves. And I'm not going to go with that kind of people. And Moses was stymied and stuttering around. And all of a sudden, about 15 verses later, he decides, I better go to the house of God and talk to him about this. So he goes to the tabernacle, goes to the house of God. And every elder and everybody, every every member of of the tribes of Israel stood by their door and the men led their family in worship. Boy, wouldn't that be a great thing if all the men of CLC led their families in worship in this last hour. Come on, kids, we're gonna worship God. Come on, kids, we're gonna praise him. Come on, kids, we're gonna adore him. Come on, kids, this is where God dwells. Come on, he loves our home. He loves our house. He loves our family. Come on, kids, we're gonna magnify God. Come on, dad, I need you. And Moses goes in. And he says to the Lord, he said, Lord, listen, I got to talk to you now. I'm not going to go if you don't go with us. This is what he said, I don't want an angel. I don't want one of them. I know that the world is just hung up on angels. John bowed down in Revelation and worshiped one. The angel said, get up, I'm just like you are. Worship the Lord. Don't worship me, just worship the Lord. Angels are not made to worship. They're ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. They're for us. They're here for us. Jesus is one to be worshiped. And he said, I don't want an angel. If your presence don't go, I'm not going. Just take them by yourself. I'm not going. And God said, Moses, the people have acquiesced. They have changed their hearts. They're magnifying me now. And I'll take you in. You Listen. Listen real good. This is not any kind of threat to the church. But listen. As long as there's breath in my body. As long as there's strength for me to preach this gospel. And the Lord told me I'm going to be good even in the 80s. Amen. Not 1980 in my 80s. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever lose my teeth so I won't be spitting anything out on you. But hear this preacher. This church is going to be directed by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be guided by the Holy Ghost. I'm not in charge here. The Holy Ghost is in charge here. Come on. This is not I'm this is not my this is God's church. You hear me? This is God's church. He purchased it with his own blood. This is his church. But I want the Holy Ghost to fall on people. I want the Holy Ghost to baptize people. I want the Holy Ghost to infiltrate people's lives. I want the Holy Ghost to come into your family. I want the Holy Ghost to baptize your house. I want you to walk in your house at night and know the Holy Ghost is in your house waiting on you. I want you to come to church knowing the power of God is in this house. I want you to understand we cannot move and breathe without him, without him, without him. I don't want an angel. I want his presence. I don't want an angel. I want his presence. I want his presence. For in his presence in his presence is fullness of joy. Would everybody stand on your feet and lift your hands all over the house right now? And I to do something. And that concludes today's message.